Hey, this is Daryl Strawberry, and you listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? Jim Kelly, you're listening to Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. <laughs> yeah! You know you love it. You know you love it. Talk to me. Say it. Say it. I'm saying it. I love um, you. <laughs> wow. You know who's the most loved right now in this whole building? Who's that? Polly the Mole. He, I get a FaceTime. Yeah. I get a FaceTime yesterday from my brother Alec, and he says, where's my mole? Where's my mole? Does he think that you just hang out 24 hours a day? He, like, he doesn't even want to talk to me anymore. Oh, he's he's obsessed the with the mole. Is he? It's like a bromance. I I, uh, I want to be part of his staff if he runs for president. This is what I do. I so disagree he said, with him on everything, but I want to be honest. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's not lose him now. Let's not lose him now. Even if you don't agree, agree with a couple things. Uh, so so he he turns around and he tells me uh, that uh, he wants to call into the show today. He wants to get his dose of the mole. And so I thought... Now, for a long time, let me lay this groundwork out for you. I know this has nothing to do with sports, but you know what? Who cares, really? Um, so Ronald Reagan gets elected. Now, my dad wanted us all to go to law school. He wanted us to be in politics. He was very you know, politically active for a school teacher. And we tell him we want to be actors, and that, that didn't go over well. The ex-Marine, you know, what are you talking about? Get a job like a man. You know, so... He didn't live long enough uh, to see the success of all of his sons. He saw a little bit of success from Alec being the oldest one and and becoming actors in chronological order. Um, But when Reagan got elected, I recall sitting with Alec saying to myself and saying to him out loud, wow, we can do both. You know, Ron Reagan, God rest him, was a nice man. Uh, He was... um, uh, arguably a B actor, you know, um, he had a career not like Alex, more like mine, um, you know, where he was in some stuff. Um, I probably was in bigger stuff than him, uh, but he became... You are go- not in Bedtime for Bonzo, my friend. I was not in Bedtime for Bonzo, but I have been in films that have been won over 10 Oscars at one time. So, although I didn't have a pivotal part in those, I've been on multiple TV series. Why am I justifying my career? You're a mole. You live underground. Exactly right. Exactly. He doesn't you know leave his I mean? house. You, come on. I got multiple hundreds on Rotten. What's the same? I, I, rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and a zero. And I got a zero. I don't, I wasn't questioning your yes, talent. You were. Yes, you were. You threw in the bedtime from Bonzo. And you know what? That was I'm the really, only movie really, he knows Reagan was in. That's why. I'm really, I'm really, that's the only movie I know he was yeah. in. <laughs> I know he was the, the president of SAG. And then he, he was the governor of uh, California. Well, the governor of California is no short order. I mean, if you were to put California as a global power by the economic condition of the of the state uh, and made it a country, it would be the seventh largest power in the world. Just the state of California generates that kind of income. So, And then he becomes president for two terms. So we watched this and we thought, wow, you could actually do both. We could go into acting and then become politicians. And of course, America has swayed dramatically on the pendulum with that. We've got a reality show host that's president of the country now. So with that said, I think an interesting subject to talk to my brother about would be, what if you ran? Not not will you run, but what if you ran? What would that look like? What would it look like? Because it would be a highly entertaining debate series to have Alec debate Trump. I mean, I would, that would be I'd watch. amazing. The other, time. the other question is, you can't have any skeletons. Now, like, 
They dig it all I, up. I, yeah, I, that, that, that's, that's been proven not to be true. No, I know, but you've got to be able to have the strength to deal with it. Like, for all the stuff that Trump Two gets, words, fake news. You just yell out fake news yeah, and it's over. But for everything yeah, that, like... I like that. Could you deal with what Trump do- deals with on a daily no. basis? Even if no. he's doing all the stuff they're accusing him, he somehow deals with the fact that someone's... Got a new story. He's already going like, gray. Do you see that? His hair's already getting whiter. Hey, well, you could do that with every every if you, president. If you look at how presidents age over the four years, to eight years that are Obama, in, Clinton, all, all of them they just yeah, go they white. Look, they look horrible <laughs> when they get out of office. Yeah, yeah. You know, never was that more evident. Is that the big boy? I'm guessing. He's the only person that calls the show. <laughs> <laughs> we only have one. Who's in the cabin today? Who's in the cabin with us? It's Josh in the mole. You, you, me, and uh, Josh, and the mole? Yeah, yeah, the mole, yeah. He just said, he go, I go, is that him on the line? And the mole goes, he's the only one that calls into the show. <laughs> I'm the only caller, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's, yeah. it's my thing. I it's own it. It's it's your, it is. You're our personal valet. What's that game we play? It's called Take It or Leave It, or Yes or No, or... So what? So what? Yeah. So what? That's it. There we go. So what? That's <laughs> so, beautiful. So what? So okay, I, I, cool. I, I peppered this. With a preliminary, you should hear really quickly. I said, you know, in 1980, my brother and I got to watch arguably a B actor become president of the United States after multiple terms as governor and California been an economic power and independent country. They'd be number seven in the world today. So no short feat for a guy who was, you know, I liked Ron Reagan. I met him before and I never thought he was uh, the most intelligent guy in the room. He never was in the rooms I was in, that's for sure. So, but she was very, very brilliant. I thought she was very... (laughs) Very, very uh, smart woman. And so with that said, this is just a what if. This is not a, a giant so what. What if you ran against Trump? That's what we want to talk about. What would that I mean, look the like? The exciting election we've had in ages would be exciting. Wouldn't it be exciting? I think it would be very exciting, yeah. Very exciting. I would drop everything I do and canvas the country for you. I would. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an exciting idea, but the thing is, is that you... you you lose your life. I mean, I got little kids, and you know, my wife would never go for that. She would never go. For that. I know we got to figure out a way to bribe her. Yeah, we have to drug her somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, like- but but still, l- l- let's forego the the obvious that your wife is not into that, and that's a big factor for you. I know how much you love your wife, and you're expecting a baby any day. Any day, yeah, any day. Oh my goodness, any day. Yeah, but but I think that remember that with 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 Republicans sometimes have independent-minded people. You know, Nixon, with all of his uh, 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 compromises and everything, all of his problems, he was a glaringly independent-minded man compared to uh, a lot of the other uh, GOP presidents. You know, Eisenhower was fairly independent. I mean, Eisenhower, you know, the last man to uh, to be elected president by acclamation. I mean, a job he did not want. And everyone in the country told him, you have to take this job. You must do this for the country. You know, he was this great war hero. And uh, the uh, the other Republicans, like Reagan and, and, and both Bushes and now Trump, what they are is they're like the headliner of a band that comes in. They're like the front man for a band. You know, it's, it's, Those men are selected by a group of very pro-industry, pro-business, powerful people. They're, they're not independent-minded you know, political thinkers. They're guys who are cast in that role by a powerful uh, uh, band of people who want, you know, uh, some of them now in the, in the modern world with evangelical Christian voters who want 
social reform, most Republicans, it's like, just cut all the regulations for my business and cut my taxes, and I'm happy. They don't care about, not an issue for them about abortion, not an issue for them about gay marriage, not an issue about transgender, bathrooms, they couldn't give a damn. But, but uh, you know, now you have this other tail whacking the dog of evangelicals who want uh, social reform, you know, and uh, are getting it to, to a degree. But it's always interesting to me where uh, the Republicans, the guy that comes in, it, it, to, to a degree, it almost could be anybody. They want somebody telegenic. They want somebody they, they can win. This time around, they needed a guy who was ugly, who was willing to say anything. He had to be willing, you know, to, to just take all of the protocols of presidential politics, which can be ugly at times, uh, 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 you know, to a degree, and just take all that and just, it's like snapping a tablecloth off of a table or just throwing all the dishes on the floor. You know, he's somebody who let's take this to the 10th power and make it as ugly as possible. And he won. He won. Could you beat him? Oh, absolutely. Positively. I could beat him without a doubt in my mind. I could beat him. I mean, any, any liberal progressive, whatever term you want to use, because I, I don't like those terms anymore because they've been co-opted by other people. You know, I'm somebody who, you think I want the United States to lay down and die and not have a strong defense? That's preposterous. I'm not going to come in there and say we have to, uh, you know, have uh, you know, we have to walk around with you know one hand tied behind our back. The world is too uh, dangerous for that. But do, but but do I want to see advancement in terms of healthcare policy? Because you want an American workforce to be healthy. This is an economy. America is an economic experiment. Capitalism on our level is an economic experiment that thrives on people going to work. They got to go to work, and you can't have people sick and, they, and, they, and they, their back is out and they have nowhere to go to get better. You want a healthcare policy that will treat as many Americans as efficiently and as cost effective as it can, so they can go to work. Because that's better for all of us. You want everyone to the right of you and to the left of you. To the north, south, east, and west of you, you want all of them to go to work every day because that's what we're all relying on. Could you deal with the media uh, handling if you ran for president? Because it's gotten to the point now where the media isn't reporting anymore, whether it's Hillary Clinton, whether it's Donald Trump. It's almost more like they build up to tear down now. If the mall was my communications director, anything's possible. <laughs> Could you let me smack them around and not do it yourself? I think one thing you need to do when you run is that everything, the problem with Trump and the age we live in now is that all the old uh, uh, models are dead and all of them are gone because you, you, you find ways to parse out your criticism of your opponent. It was unavoidable. You found ways and language to discuss your opponent's shortcomings and, and their outright failures, if you will, if they had a legislative record. And one of the things that Trump got away with is he had no legislative record of any kind. He wasn't in a state house. He wasn't in the Congress. He wasn't in a, in a city hall anywhere. He had no record of what his policies would be. And so therefore every assertion he made, he could contradict himself again and again and again. But the point is that now whoever runs against Trump, it's like, don't even mention his name. Don't not only don't say bad things, but only talk about what you're going to do. Talk about, you know, make your promises and make the case for how you're going to uh, achieve the goals that you set out. And just don't, because to go back with him, the bathtub here is just brimming with bile and, and criticism. And if you went out on the campaign trail or just tried to state the obvious, 
everything that is hateful and suspicious and all the condemnation of Trump you can imagine has already been said. He's the most criticized president in history. I mean, other than I would say Nixon in the, in the in, when he, you know, Nixon was always somebody who was loathed by uh, uh, the left wing. But during the Watergate period, it really percolated with a kind of I told you so gloating. You know, people were always suspicious that Nixon was capable of horrible things. And sure enough, that pr- proved to be true. But, you know, Trump has been treated that way from the get-go. I mean, from day one, he's been treated with tremendous... People just live in this state of kind of morbid disbelief that he won. I mean, it's, it is shocking. It is shocking. A guy who has absolutely zero interest <coughs> in anything other than gaming some real estate uh, um, market on a day-to-day basis becomes the president. It's tragic. Trump's election is one of the greatest tragedies in American history. The fact that Trump became president is one of the greatest tragedies in the history of this country. But that will be rectified. That will be rectified. I'm convinced. I can think of two people off the top of my head who would be great presidents right now, who do a great job. Hold and, on and, to that. Hold on to that and stay in the line, Xander, because we're going to go to break. we got to take... we got to. By the way, bills. this break is brought to you by Glazed. And- <laughs> no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't say that anymore. Oh, we don't. We don't okay. say anymore. You know well, those- they, they, they sponsor all my segments. By the way. <laughs> they sponsor all your segments. Yeah, no, no. We'll talk to you off air about that. The great yeah. Alec Baldwin on the line. We will come back. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Follow the NBA playoffs on ESPN Radio AM twelve hundred. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, you, are you there, Miguel? I'm there, Mr. President. It's so nice to have you on again. Um, well, I mean, I think that uh, you know, you you you're at the same time, you got to take a nice. I mean, I'll finish with this, but you got to take a nice, hard look at you know the people who voted for him and why. You know, well, they're, they're, that's something that's got to be uh, uh, examined. You know, because it's. Uh, well, I think the answer to that I think the answer to that question is pretty simple. I think um, had it been someone else running against him, he would have lost. Uh, I mean, almost anyone else. If you had told Hillary Clinton five years ago she was going to run against Donald Trump for the presidency, she'd have laughed her ass off. So, um, but but I don't believe America trusted her. I believe that was her Achilles' heel. I don't believe they trusted her. I think um, there was a, a number of reasons why. Uh, and I think that's what cost her. So, um, you well, know. I think that I think that most of those things. I think you're right. Most of those things. There is a very simple explanation, or a relatively simple explanation. This one, it's not so simple. You know, the concepts are easy to understand, but it's a lot of layers. You know, yes, did people think uh, have their doubts about her? Did they feel it was necessary to go into into a voting booth and fulfill her destiny? You know, it's, it's you know, I've I've heard a lot of comments about that, and, and I don't want to go there because, uh, you know, she lost, and that's it. I don't need to, you know, do the post mortem on that right now. I'll, I'll let more qualified people do that. But but I do think that another thing was these guys lost with competent people. You know, who was more camera ready than Mitt Romney? The guy's like a movie star. Who was more, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, had the DNA of that party than John McCain? Voted conservative. You know the war hero thing. Everything he, he loses. Uh, uh, you know, to 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 an African American guy. You know, pretty crazy. And uh, the uh, um, uh, I th- I just think that the I think that the, the money, the Republican Party. You know, Obama 
put together a great, great network and a, and a great uh, infrastructure of raising small amounts of money. They did very, very well online. The Republicans are all about, like, you know, a uh, hundred super rich people who made up their mind. They said, it doesn't matter who the candidate is. It doesn't matter. It could be Alfred E. Newman. It could be Dennis Rodman. It could be somebody who's even more of an idiot than Trump is. And they're going to sit there and go, we cannot lose again. They lost with McCain. They lost with, uh, with, with, with Romney. And they just said, we, can, we can't let, we, we must get this person elected no matter what it costs. Now, it costs them their soul. I mean, the Republican Party is in tremendous, and, and I'm saying this as a Democrat who believes in a two-party system, and I want there to be a healthy Republican Party because I don't want the Democrats to call all the shots all the time. That would be disaster for the country as well. You have to have a, an opposition resisting you to sharpen your message. All, all those cliches we hear about that you know, kind of two-party structure, I'd love to see healthy independent candidates. But the Republican Party is, the Republican Party has cancer. They've got serious near-terminal cancer because of all the Facebook stuff and collusion and the, and the Russians and illegal payment. I mean, they, they are, they, they, they wanted to win the election. Trump was superfluous. They wanted to win the election, regardless of who the candidate was, and they were going to spend whatever it took, and they were going to cut whatever corner it took, and they were going to commit whatever crime it took, whatever electoral crime it took. So are you of the opinion then, and, you're, and I guess the way I'm understanding this is, any Democrat's going to beat him now. He's not going to win again, no matter what. No, 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 no. I don't think any Democrat, if they make the mistake of running somebody, you know, if you, if you ran Elizabeth Warren, she'd lose. You know, she, she, she is not somebody who's ready to run for president. Her, her, her record is still very amorphous. She's somebody who, you know, running for president is, is, is very much of the moment. You know what I mean? Teddy Kennedy. You know, Teddy Kennedy was going to run against an incumbent, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter was perceived as weak. And eventually Carter lost in 1980. You know, when, when Teddy Kennedy was going to primary Carter in 80 for that no- nomination, you, you, you would have thought Carter was there for the taking. And, and, and Carter was perceived as weak, and he was weak. He lost the re-election to Reagan, but Kennedy Kennedy lost. I mean, there's some weird kind of crystallization that has to happen for a presidential candidacy to uh, to make it through the nominating process, to win the nomination, to win the general election. You have to have a lot of cards turn over in your favor. And I think that there are Democrats who are being considered who... Uh, <laughs> I think everybody who's viewed as a front-runner front now doesn't stand a chance. Every name you see now who's viewed as likely to run against him for the nomination, they don't stand a chance. You said and then you're there right. are people who you, and there are people who you don't see. There's one or two that I'm tracking now that you don't see that I think should run and they would win. They would definitely win. You said you had two. Who are they? Well, I mean, I, 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 the, the one that keeps glaring at me is Mark Warner. I think Mark Warner, the senator from Virginia, is somebody who, let's see what he's going to do because he's going to have a great career politically in this country. He's smart. You know, he, he falls into that category, unfortunately, of, you know, he's got all of his own money. He's a super rich guy, made a fortune in some, you know, whatever his business was, I forget, uh, whatever, you know, internet or dot-com thing or online thing he was doing. Was it, was it medical? You guys should Google that right now, where, where, where Warner's fortune comes from. But, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, very successful guy, wins the Senate seat from Virginia. Very helpful in American politics right now to not be too... Uh, East Coast liberal, they're running as a Democrat, um, which is why I think Warren would go down. And I think Warner is, uh, um, um, I think Warner would be great. And uh, uh, as of now, I think I'd like to see him develop his strategy to 
uh, to run eventually, or even or even run as vice president. But I think he's too good for that. And uh, there's a couple more, but I don't want to say anything. I, I probably shouldn't have said anything about Warner either because I don't want to jinx anybody's chances. But I, I listened to Warner speak on the um, uh, on the New Yorker Magazine Radio Hour, uh, David Remnick's podcast from the New Yorker Magazine, and he spoke uh, a lot about the. Uh, uh, the Senate investigation and the congressional investigations into Trump and collusion. And he's a super bright, super articulate people and help them understand because Americans, this is the tragedy. If I ran what I want to run for is what's more important than your family. I mean, I've learned this now with my age, having kids again with my wife, it's the only thing I care about. Now I don't mean it has to be a conventional family, a man and a woman, a mommy and a daddy and their kids. It could be two men get married, two women get married, they have kids, they adopt it, whatever people want to do that makes them happy, who cares? But when you walk into the sanctity of that home, you've gone out that door every day to make money and try to take care of your family. You're a father. you got a lot of kids. I mean, how many kids do you have, Daniel? Like 30, 40? <laughs> your kids, like, you, have kids, like, in here, you have kids in every city that you shot a movie. Right? <laughs> It's very Daniel, true. Kids, every, and I'm like George Foreman. I'm like George Foreman. There might be a baby under that cushion there. Be That's careful. right. That's right. I'm like George Foreman. I named them all Alec in honor of you. You name you name them all Daniel Baldwin the fifteenth. <laughs> right. My point is, you you have kids and you're a serious dad. You have your two fantastic girls right now. This is what we live and die for. You know, when, when our kids aren't happy, when we can't give them something, when we're short. You want to pay for, for school, clothes, the simple, basic things, and, and you see people struggling to make ends meet. And that's the people I want to help. I want to help moms and dads or moms and moms in a, in, 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 in a gay couple. Again, doesn't matter. I want to help people who are parents to raise our kids the right way because that's the great challenge. And I do not see... This government making that easy for people. I do not see that. Oh, we got the mole. We got the mole chiming in. There's someone I'd like you to help, uh, Alec. I've uh, I've seen over the past couple of weeks you've somehow brought to light two people that America didn't know existed anymore, and Rob Schneider and Joe Piscopo, due to uh, due to uh, online skirmishes. I was wondering maybe if you could get uh, Chris Elliott. To, to fight with you a little bit because I've been dying for Cabin Boy 2 and get a life to come back. <laughs> well, Cabin Boy and Canteen Boy could join forces. Absolutely. Like a, like a Marvel superhero. <laughs> Canteen Boy versus Cabin Boy. But Super Boy. What I want to say just about Episcopo, who I don't really know at all, and Rob, who I don't really know at all. I mean, I work with them in that very fleeting way that you do the show. And that is, you know, I have made a mistake or I have made a choice in my life where on rare occasions, and I do mean extremely rare occasions, I would tell a story where I would explain some circumstance in my life and inadvertently you wind up taking a spit on somebody in the business with you. You know what I mean? If it's a producer, almost never actors. There's like one or two examples where in my book, I want people to know, um, constantly ask, you know, why did, the, why did you do this? Why did you make this choice? Why, you know, what happened here? In your career, and I answer those questions, and I inadvertently have to, uh, uh, you know, in, t in telling the truth of that story, take a spit on this guy or that guy. But, but in general, that's something you want to avoid. I mean, I take full responsibility for doing that myself. But in general, you want to avoid doing that unnecessarily, you know. And for Rob Schneider and Piscopo, especially Rob, 
who was very, very blunt and very, very uh, harsh in his criticism, I want to sit there and I want to go, well, these guys obviously don't work that much anymore because they've forgotten one of the rules of the business. And that is, you, you know, actors can sit around over drinks or over coffee, having breakfast, you know, when they're at work, and they can eviscerate other actors. They can just savage other actors who they think are getting away with something, who they think aren't very good. And, you know, that's half the people in the Screen Actors Guild, by the way. By the way. But, but, but the point is, is that you, you, you don't unnecessarily badmouth somebody or their work. You don't do that. You, that that's, that's rule number one of the business. I learned that very young. I'm sitting around one time, I think I told you this, and Daniel's heard me say this, I'm sitting around one time doing a movie, and everybody starts to take a piss on Arnold Schwarzenegger and some kind of dopey movie he had coming out back then in the 90s. And the producer turned to us and said, don't do that. Very instructive. He said, don't do that. We looked at him and we're like, why? What do you mean? He says, because when Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to work, 300 highly paid union people in this business go to work. <clears throat> Every kind of craft, on set, construction, carpentry, painters, drivers, location managers, wardrobe, hip and hair, every script supervisors, you name it. 300 people go to work on a studio film, by the way, and they all get top dollar in this business. He says, and then the money that's made from those films, the money that's earned from those films, some of it goes into the development uh, uh, bank account of the studio to develop a movie that you may be in three years from now. So you never want to you know, keep your opinions to yourself, keep them private, but don't ever say publicly you know, to take a piss on this guy's career, that guy's career, and, and their work. So here's Rob Schneider attacking me uh, uh, and the show, and, and I'm like, I think obviously Rob has been, you know, he doesn't really work very much anymore, and as a result of that, he's forgotten. You just don't do that. You just don't do that, you know? Yeah, that's that's something, I, you know, there's, you're right, in 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 private circles or particularly on set when you start talking about, Hey, I saw such and such a movie you did. I, I have practiced that before quietly saying what I think about so on and so forth, but we all do. very, very rarely in public. Uh, one of the things I think I resent and I think that might be something to do with our upbringing, uh, you know, not, not being from the acting world, which I think is what makes, I try to explain to people what makes it rarest. One in 2,500 actors is able to make a living off their acting alone, not having to subsidize their income with some other occupation, which is, so making it somebody who actually makes a living in this, in the entertainment world is quite rare. It's a one in 2,500 shot in the acting world. That in itself, having four boys from one family whose father was a school teacher, I think is a more interesting dynamic because our last name isn't Sheen or Barrymore or uh, you know, or, uh, and many other acting families. Carradine, um, you know, there was there's a legacy of acting. There was no legacy of acting in our family when Alex started and then followed in chronological order by his siblings. You know, we we. We didn't have an uncle or somebody that we could go to that was going to cast us in a film. And I think that's what makes it more of a compelling and interesting story in our family. But I got to say, being raised the way we were raised, the first thing I said, I tweeted was, let's see you say that to my face, you pussy. Because, you know, <laughs> well, but, 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 but that is, that, that, see, that's an easy thing to do. And I share that kind of indignation with you. But I want to say the thing he should have done was really put his political cards on the table. He should have said, hey, I'm a, I'm a conservative Republican. I'm a Trump supporter. Uh, and he should have just really gone into, here's why I support Trump. Here's what I like about Trump. Here's what about Trump is working. Don't say the show isn't funny now, because there are lots of people online. I mean, there are comics and a lot of these kind of navel-picking, bedwetting, 
uh, in a you know kind of small improv comedy people who were never going to have a big career, never. They're never going to be in movies or on primetime TV. They're going to go to clubs and performing these little and and great. I mean, as long as they're happy, who cares? But they all attack me constantly about, and they say you're the worst Trump. You suck. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I mean, I totally get that. I, this is portraying Trump on a late night TV show was not a life goal of mine. So let's, let's, let's focus on that for a second. But, but the point is, is that, but the show has been tremendously successful last year in, you know, the real halcyon period of the election and everything and beyond when people were just in shock, we had, you know, 22 million YouTube hits. We won the Emmy. We, uh, Kate won the Emmy, you know, every, everything, everything you could possibly get out of it. Every single thing you could, I mean, Kate and I, we rode that wave right to the shoreline. We rode it all the way into the shore and got everything out of it you could possibly get. I'm not saying that bragging. I'm saying we were very lucky and it went well. So to say it didn't work, to say it wasn't funny. Now, I walk down the streets of New York. I live in New York. I've got people say to me, even now, all day long. Of course, the people who think like Schneider does don't say that to you that often. But all day long, people say, thank you. I think it's great. They'll keep sticking it to him. There's a political agenda there. It's not just an entertainment viewer's agenda. But my point is, is that there was a way that Schneider could have said what he said differently and more intelligently, I might add, which it was all about. Well, here's, you know, when, when you're, when, when you're uh, hectoring and you're really just mean-spirited and you're just you know, monochromatic about Trump and what he's doing, and it's not funny... Let's get underneath what that is, and that is, what do you support that Trump's done? You and support I, his immigration policy? Uh, you want to uh, build the wall? You know, well, what is it? Well, well, what do you love about Trump in terms of his policy? Well, the, but but you, you, you also have to remember that there has to be some bounce-back effect to that. So if Arnold Schwarzenegger had said that, then I would have maybe challenged that because he has that many viewers and people that listen to him that could be affected by the former governor of California making that statement. So, But when Rob Schneider says it, no, I, 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 I don't. I'd rather just punch him in the face and get it over with because I don't think anyone well, pays any listen, attention I mean, to what listen, Rob listen, if, if we punched everybody in the face who was an idiot who said offensive things, we'd, we'd have to go have, you know, uh, uh, we'd have to go have like, uh, you know, robotic hands put on us to replace our hands or our hands would be broken. You know, the, 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 the world is filled with people who are, are, are uh, you know, the circumstances in the, in the world, especially now, the life we live now, it's getting the better of people. It's, it's really getting the better of them. Hey, but, uh, uh, wait, wait, but I want to ask Mo. Mo, I, 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 I got to go because I got to take my wife. But I always got to close. And somebody, so Mo, tell me, what did you make of the Piscopo uh, Schneider thing? What did you think about Mo? <laughs> go. I, I, I didn't even know Joe Piscopo was alive still. <laughs> I really yeah. didn't. I saw him and I was like, he is jacked though. He is a large, he's buff. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fight. I, I wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't want to fight. Up. I wouldn't want to fight Joe Piscopo. <laughs> At like sixty-seven or whatever he is, he's a giant. Well, man. I mean, I just like like I said, the, the, that that kind of thing attacking people, attacking the work they do. You don't do that if you're really in the business. I think Schneider does that because he's not in the business really. I mean, he's got he's got some other thing going on. He's not in the business that I would recognize because you 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 don't do that unnecessarily. You want to know who you the know luckiest man in Syracuse is right now, Alec? Who is that? Chris Cawley. He works for Onondaga County Health Department. They want a happy hour party with Daniel Baldwin yeah. at the Marriott Syracuse downtown this Friday from 4 to 5. Free drink and food and get to hang out with Daniel Baldwin. Yeah, at the Marriott. You want the translation on this? <laughs> 
What's the movie I'm playing your brother on that I don't have to go to this event now? Uh, a baby under every cushion. Yeah, a baby under every cushion. <laughs> so Chris Colley from Onondaga County Health Department is our winner for this month's Daniel go, Baldwin Chris. Happy Hour. Yeah, get it. Get, yeah, do me match game well, sounds good right now. Daniel's a very Daniel's a wonderful raconteur. He's a fantastic raconteur. So um, he'll, he'll be he, Chris Colley should really be very very grateful. Anyway, <laughs> fellas, my love to you, and of course, you know where I'm going now. You know I'm going to close big. And of course, close. all my love to you, Mole. Love you, Mo. I love and, you, uh, too. I'll talk to you guys later, okay? Right, Daniel, th- my love to you, and uh, thank you. Ciao. L- love you, bro. Let's go to break. We'll come right back. ESPN Syracuse wants you on the Bob's True Value bus to the Mets versus Yankees at City Field on Sunday, June 10th. For just $115, you get tickets to the game, a bus ride from Frank's, Frank's Tours to and from City Field, and Cam's Pizza on the way to Queens. Just go to ESPNSyracuse.com to buy your tickets. This is your chance to see a Subway Series game all for just $115 so get to ESPNSyracuse.com now to purchase yours from Bob's True Value and ESPN Syracuse find us on the web at ESPNSyracuse.com ESPN Radio 97.7 100.1 1200 AM and 1440 AM I'm so excited it's time for I, um, I just can't hide it I'm about to lose control, and I just can't... um. So what? It's unlistenable radio! You understand me? Daniel Baldwin Show. How dare you say it's unlistenable radio? It is. Josh, you're so what? Jerry Richardson has placed his Carolina Panthers up for sale at an estimated price tag of $2.2 billion. It is rumored today minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, David Tepper, will buy the team. 2.2 B. Which will set an NFL record for uh, wow, that's some candy. NFL teams. That's some big candy. You got to have a lot of money, man. Like it's not just buying the team. You got to pay all those players millions mm-hmm. of dollars. You got it. You know I why think, would you want to do that? I think that they leverage themselves with all kinds of other stuff. I don't think anyone comes up with two point two B to. Well, yeah, there's tons of people that all buy into it, right? Too, but but uh, I, but I wonder what the legality is. I say that's not a so what for mm-hmm. sure. The, the the transference of ownership of any professional franchise is pretty significant because it doesn't happen all that often. Um, I wonder what it takes to if you could you buy them and then make them a public entity. Could you could you do what they did with Green Bay, which is owned by the public? It's a stock. So what would happen if you wanted to turn around and buy the Carolina Panthers and then sell shares of it? I bet you you could do it. That would be what I would do. The only law that I read about is that obviously he has to sell his stake in the Steelers, and the league has to vet him and improve him. Right. But the, he's done that. It's all been done, and then today's the day he's supposed to sign the papers. Who's he selling his ownership to Steelers to? I think he's a minority owner. I don't think he's the. He's not the majority owner. Okay, but a minority owner this, this yeah. nowadays is $25 million. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I need the moles in. Maybe what? the Roonies will buy up some more. What you, but what about the mole? Get in there. What the I mole? could buy a... Uh, I don't a think bag you can of get peanuts a, at yeah. the concession stand. <laughs> By the way, two point two billion is pocket change for the guy. He's worth eleven billion dollars. Two point two billion is a significant amount of yeah. money, even at eleven. You're yeah. worth yeah. fifteen yeah. percent if, of if your you net got a, worth. In my in math for me, that's if you have eleven dollars and you spend two, you're in big trouble. <laughs> Better be a good sandwich. Yeah, yeah. damn right. <laughs> ESPN Films and Netflix announced today The Last Dance, which will be a ten part documentary series that will chronicle one of the greatest icons and most successful dynasties of all time, Michael Jordan and the 1990 Chicago Bulls. Awesome. 
Ten part documentary series coming out in 2019. So what? I won't watch Whoa. a single episode. I won't watch a single episode of it. What is uh, wrong with you? You're not going to watch a, a movie about Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls? Michael Jordan or, or Michael Jackson? Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch both. Yeah, neither, neither one of those sounds bad. I would you know, watch I both see, MJs. What is America's fascination with a pedophile that could dance? Michael Jackson? It? Michael Jackson. He, his yeah. music is amazing, and his yes. life is a disaster. Yeah. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. Yes. It was a disaster. His yeah. music was amazing, and his life was an absolute. Do you hear that Macaulay trainer. Culkin has now come out with? Uh, he's talking about what happened at Never Neverland. No. Oh yeah, it's in. Oh, uh, I don't want. See, I, I would watch that. I would watch that. Is, I would watch that before yes. I watch a glorification of Michael Jackson. Now I, Janet Jackson should be glorified. Oh, she's the best. She, glorify her. I'm going. All you want. I'm going. Kept it clean. Great example for women. Great songs. Great music. I, I I'll go. I'll go see her concert right now. What about Tito? Would you go to the? You watch the <laughs> Tito documentary? Yeah, huge. I did a show with Jermaine. He did wife like, swap with Jermaine. I, I watched it. Are you wife swap? With I watched it. It was I awesome. Did wife swap with Jermaine. He was terrible. Poor Jermaine. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance to like. Kind of rewrite things for yourself, you know. And I went on there with my son Atticus and my ex Isabella, and um, Jermaine was terrible to Isabella. They tried to sell it like Jermaine was this hoity-toity, which I think he is, like fashionista guy, and like Daniel's just this like gritty barbecue and sports fan kind of loaf of oh, a husband. How dare you? That's what they made it like. How dare you? I cooked a quality meal for I her. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, chefing. I watched it. Uh, Only yeah. episode of Celebrity Wife Swap I've ever watched, I, but I watched it. The, you know, you know what's funny when going back to what we were talking about when it comes to Jordan. Haven't we? Is there anything about Michael I haven't seen? Well, they claim there's 500 hours of never before seen footage. I don't know what the footage could be of, but they're putting it together. Maybe I'm just negative on him because he's walked away from uh, Barkley, and I think that's pretty crummy. And then final so what story, uh, the Orlando Magic will be, the owner of the Orlando Magic will be carrying a little penny doll tonight for the draft lottery pick. I like it. I like it a lot. Good luck, Penny. They got to bring little Penny back. He's got to be We've assistant been talking coach, about commercials. It. This, is, this is the first we're seeing the signs of little Penny coming back. Send him yeah. on recruiting trips. <laughs> totally. <laughs> recruiting messages. He said, hey, you got to come here. I'm very excited. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, for sure. Come back and wrap things up, Paulie. Let's do it. Every strikeout. One-two pitch. Breaking ball, swing and a miss. There it is. A baker's dozen for Jacob DeGrom. Every run. Hit deep to left field. Home run number three is on the way. And there she goes. Every walk-off. Swing a high fly ball, deep right field. Jay Bruce hits it out. The home of Mets baseball. Conforto towards the alley on the run. Diving. What a catch. Michael Conforto stabs it out of the air. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Follow the NBA playoffs on ESPN Radio AM 1200. This is the hey now, It doesn't show. matter that you didn't hear a word that I said, Paulie, because you don't listen to anything I say anyway, so it's a nice marriage. It's like yeah. my grandmother used to take her hearing aid. She had one of those old-fashioned, she had the line that went up and she plugged the thing into her ear and she had a little box. It was a silver steel box. And she would turn it on and off. After fi- after dinner was over, she turned it off. My grandpa oh, would be screaming. Brilliant. Stuff, and she didn't listen to a word he said. Brilliant. I have to apologize to you because I learned a lesson from your brother Alec today, not to crap on people's careers. 
and I will never publicly crap on your <laughs> crappy career. Oh my <laughs> god! What? That was very. That was the last one. That right, was the last out. one. Robert Bros. As of uh... <laughs> Robert Bros. A... That's like the great English master for Great Dane walking by and taking a poop and having a diarrhea-ridden chihuahua go. Your poop smells bad. You get it? I know. Yeah, I know. I just learned a lesson. You get a chihuahua. I learned a lesson. The mole has learned. The mole I was talking. I was talking to a friend. Career. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I was praising Daniel Baldwin. Is it bad that I go to uh, Rotten Tomatoes now and look at my hundreds? To you don't. Better, don't obsess about. about it. Don't. You can't. Yeah, you're going to drive yourself crazy. It's like reading comments. No, I only, read, I only read the ones that are eighty and above, of right, which there yeah. are many. Very good. Very good. Of which there are many. I mean, your career. Career. golden. Yeah, golden. it's huge. Huge. I see that. A friend of mine yesterday was like, "What's is it? Is was it weird working with Daniel Baldwin? Does he got like a temper and stuff?" And I go, "No, nah, he's kind of a bro." I was giving him compliments. I was like, "He's a good dude. And he's a bro." What? God, Baldy, throw, throw the dagger. He's kind of got a temper. I'm, I'm not when, gonna. When, when that's I'm, the Baldwin what, temper is not hidden from America. One time you get a blow up in six months, and that's a temper. I've seen wor- I've worked with worse. Tempers. How dare you, Yeah, I've worked with worse tempers. This, yeah, no. He had the one. I had the one, had the one. When you were way out of line. You were just the receiving When you were way out of line. <laughs> provoked it. Provoked that. When someone pokes you in the eye and then you punch him in the face and they go, that's extreme that you punched him in the face. You should have hit him that hard. You should have hit him in the face. Him yeah, you, oh my God, you did. Yeah, you did. Here we go. See, now you you're did. pissing him off Tell again. Tell the truth. Come Tell on. the truth. Let me scream. Scream it. <laughs> um, now Paulie's giving me eyes. What yeah, did I he's say? He's giving the stink eye. What yeah. the hell did I do? He's got the wondering stink eye. Oh. No, but you guys are acting like the Baldwin family temper isn't I like didn't na- say anything like about the family. News. I'm talking about the man in the room right now. You're acting like the Baldwin temper. I've watched TMZ, bro. News. Don't blame him You're for what his brothers do. Or Alec. You're, act- You're acting like the Baldwin temper. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and call my wife. Oh. I'm going to call my wife right now. Does she? Do you oh, she, she, hang on. Okay. No, no, I'm not the. She is not on the forefront. She doesn't get to experience this. Oh, she's seen me piss a couple times. Who's got the worst temper out of all of you? Oh, Alec. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's got the worst temper. And but and but the reason why is because his zero to sixty. Oh, that's good, honey. Way to take my important call. Um, um, <laughs> right, the voicemail. The, the reason why is because he goes zero to sixty so quickly, mm-hmm. and and then when he's there. You know, usually you rev and you get up there and then you slowly, he'll stay, oh, you know, just like he won't stop. Me, I'm quicker to use my hands because I, I have a, I have um, certain parameters. Okay, so here, here's my wife. Ready? All right, honey, you're going to have to talk loud. Can you hear me? Hi, honey. Okay, so listen to me. Listen to me on this. So Paulie just said... Well, it's not like the Baldwin and their temper is is like really well known or national news. Do you have anything to say about that? I can say, Paulie, have you been living in the mole hole? In the has Paulie She's been living the house now? in the mole hole? <laughs> <laughs> in other words, is there a rock he should climb out from under? Yes, she did. And obviously, has no idea what's going on in the daylight. <laughs> Thank you, honey. He's living in the That's darkness. Robin right. saying that Paulie has no idea what's going on in the daylight. Yeah, we're a little known for having a bit of a temper, Paulie. Yeah, I know. I wasn't. I didn't think I was speaking out of school. I'll just keep my mole hole shut down. <laughs> my mole. All right, we'll hand it over to Dan Levitard. Back tomorrow. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.